everybody. Welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker, and I'm a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois. I'm also a licensed clinical professional counselor. Music Therapy is a show where I dive deep into the psyche of musicians. We talk about music, the creative process, music careers, mental health, the music business, touring, recording, balancing life and music, and anything else me and my guests want to talk about. If you want to learn more about music therapy and see upcoming guests and events, please visit musictherapypodcast.com. You can also visit jessicarisker.com to learn more about me and my own music. And if you're a fan of the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review helps us reach more listeners. Today, I'm thrilled to talk with Chicago musician Brian Case of Facts. Singer and multi-instrumentalist Brian Case was a teenager when he got on board the music train with 90 Day Men, and he's been on it ever since. Based in Chicago, he was second guitarist with Garage Rockers Ponies and the stern vocal center of Disappears. Currently, he leads Facts, a trio that pairs Disappears' dynamic sound to starker, more monolithic essence. Facts use minimalism and space to create abstract, modern art rock. This episode was recorded right before Father's Day, so we put some special attention on what it's like for Brian to balance music and fatherhood. We'll hear a song from Brian at the end of our conversation, but first, here's one of my songs. This is Won't You Meet Us in Vegas off my album Big Forever.
Okay, that was Won't You Meet Us in Vegas off my album Big Forever. And now let's turn to my conversation with Brian Case of Facts. Hi. Hey. Thank you for being on the show. Happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm well. <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Where are you? I'm on my back porch. Uh, is that in Chicago? Yes. In, um, I guess my neighborhood is technically called Ravenswood Manor. I live in, like, um, by Horner Park. So. Is that where the train tracks go on the ground? Yes. I live really close to the Francisco stuff, which is street level. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, that always kind of scares me. Is it scary? Uh, it's not scary for me, but I did work with someone many years ago who got hit by a train riding their bike uh, close to here and died. And that's probably not a good way to start this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, uh, super sad, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. That's, well, let's let's pivot. Um, let's do that. Yeah, sorry, sorry yeah. to bring that up. <laughs> no, no, we'll we'll edit it out. Okay. Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I. Thank you very much for being on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you, and I definitely appreciate your time. I have been starting out all of the episodes by asking people to kind of orient the listeners to what what a typical week these days looks like for you, just so we can kind of get a sense of what your life is like. Sure. Um, so I just started working again after about a year and a half. Um, I'm bartending. Um I have two kids who are in CPS. Uh-huh. One one is a high schooler, so they are kind of taking the train, doing their own thing. And then um, one, I drive to school every morning. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm up at 7 a.m. no matter what, because that's not my choice. And that's been happening for <laughs> about 16 years now. So. Are you a morning person? I am now. Uh, <laughs> I like being up in the morning. I like, um, I f- if I sleep too late anymore, I used to sleep late all the time. And now if I sleep too late, I feel like I've wasted my day. Yeah. Now I have so much to do, whether it's like band stuff or freelance work or getting ready for other work or whatever. Like I have to get up early so I can at least have some time to breathe and kind of do my thing. So. How old is your younger kid? My youngest kid is eight years old. It's my daughter, Vera. And then my son, Asher, is 15. And, uh, yeah, they they go to Jones. And my daughter, Vera, she goes to a school called Bell, both, like, CPS schools. So Okay. Yeah. So were they mm-hmm. home a lot this year, up till recently? Yeah, up until... I suppose it was, I'm trying to remember when it went back. They didn't go back when you initially could. They went back for the second round of that, which I think was this last quarter or whatever, which I think was March, I can't remember, March or April. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they both go Monday, Tuesday. Luckily, it was nice that that fell on the same day. Um, yeah. I don't know. We've just been... Hang in. <laughs> well, for everybody, um, you know, for everybody watching right now, um, you know, one of the angles that I wanted to use for our conversation—not the whole angle, but is Father's Day being this weekend and talking to you about being a dad and mm-hmm. um, music. That's not everything I want to talk to you about. I know that you're a dad, among other things, but um, that's the reason for a little bit of the kid talk. I'm so. But I want to go back. So you you bartend, and you also get up at seven. Is that, is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what do you do for freelancing? Um, I do some uh, graphic design, and then I'm also finishing some courses. I'm fi- finishing like a certificate degree in uh, user experience design and service design. So kind of adding that into the fold for 
I just, you know, I had so much free time. I made a bunch of records and was like, oh, I should, you know, I finally have some time to actually maybe do something I'm interested in, which is learning a little bit more about a different side of design. So I started to do that. And uh, yeah, I'll be done in like a month. And then there's something else I could potentially do. I don't know. Was that a result of having more time this past year because of the pandemic? Yes, definitely. Like, I never, I wouldn't, would have never felt like I could do that if I didn't have a year and a half to, you know, I mean, I, I did, you know, obviously, like, when it started, nobody knew what was going on. But after a while, I was like, well, I'm definitely not going back to work for a while. So I should just try and, you know, explore some other sides of design that I'm interested in and mm -hmm. just sort of try to, I don't know, just, you know, bulk up like a skill set that I can sort of uh, continue to be flexible so I can play music and travel when I want. And okay. I don't know, yeah. To support that. Yeah. Um, so what, what exactly this past year, what was sort of stripped away? Did you have things lined up? Or what would have been happening normally this past year? Yeah, so last year, right around when the pandemic started, uh, the band I play in currently Facts put a record out and we had you know like a a big Europe tour we had a couple of US things set up it was you know all kind of we'd set up enough stuff to where the year was starting and more was going to come and then because the pandemic started we canceled all of that and then where we were you know all the conversations that were happening beyond that just stopped so we did that or canceled that yeah. <laughs> and uh uh you know just like everyone else we had a, a few months two or three months where we we didn't see each other we didn't do anything our record uh -huh. was released during that time and then when we were able, when it was safe to sort of you know get back together and do stuff we met back up in our practice space which is you know was big enough at the time where we were all six feet apart and we could wear masks and mm -hmm. we just started trying to write some music like that was sort of our only thing outside of um going to the grocery store or whatever like nobody yeah. was working we didn't have anything we were just like let's just meet up here once or twice a week and just try to make some music and see if that can that's like our you know our weekly trip out of the house so yeah we did that and we started writing and we were able to get a record together and record it, and that's the one that just came out. I wanna, I wanna ask you about the new album, but the album that came out that was released last year, you said it was released right when everything was shutting down. Yeah. Um, I mean, how did that, how did that feel for you to go ahead and release it? Was it, did you guys? Was this sort of an unstoppable release, or did you decide, let's just go ahead and do it, or did you play with changing it? No, I mean, it was scheduled to come out in March, and by the time everything was happening, we just decided to let it go, and... Yeah. It was fine. I mean, I don't know. We, we put out a record almost every year, so it was like, why would we not just let this be, like, if anything... If pe we know our thought was sort of if people were stuck at home, let's just give them uh -huh. something to make. I mean, maybe more people will hear it because they can't do anything else, you know. So, yeah. uh, we were just trying to stay positive in like a weird time, and we were like, well, at least we have this record out, and that's cool for us to be able to have an experience during this time. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was. I never considered like not releasing it. Like our band isn't really like big enough for it to affect our ecosystem in any way or our labels. So we were like, yeah, let's just put it out. Like, why wouldn't we like, yeah, let's just keep moving forward. That's kind of our thing. Like let's, let's just keep moving. You know? Um, I talked to a lot of people last year who had trouble being creative with all the instability in their lives. Did you feel that at all? Um, I went through some waves. 
at first it was really I had to like make a I'm like kind of a schedule person or like a task orientated so I really had to set up a schedule where I would like go down into my basement and like play music and record for a few hours a day whether it meant anything happened or not like I would just ask my family like please let me uh, just give me this time during the day I'm gonna do this it's part of uh-huh. like my ritual and that was respected and it was cool and then as it like went on I was able to like rehearse more you know leave the house and do stuff and it kind of went through a different a few different waves and uh, at first I, I was really productive I recorded tons of stuff and a lot of that just got trashed and then I went to uh, then we started practicing as a as a unit and you know that became productive and then made some solo stuff outside of that and I, f- I felt pretty good. Like I operate really well when I don't have a job to worry about. So uh, <laughs> do you? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Don't. I prefer it. No, like I'm I'm really good at setting up uh, my own uh, schedule. Uh-huh. If I don't have to, you know, I was able to get a good unemployment that like worked for our family, and uh, we. Uh-huh. So it was like. Uh, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> Outside so, of the terrifying, like, pandemic, but... Right, right. Well, yeah. okay, so do you... Is that typically how you operate with recording? Do you set out to work on it, whether you feel like it or not, kind of set aside some time in, a, in that scheduled way? I try to do something every day, like, mm-hmm. whether it's just record something even if I don't want to or not and just revisit it a few days later or just play guitar for a few hours and come up with something and see what happens knowing that I will be you know Fax always practices once a week so I'd like to at least come in with some something I've tried to work on even if it isn't something that's fleshed out like to me that's the best when I come in with like uh, an idea that's kind of worked out because I love, but I prefer collaboration. And when I can play with Aliana and Noah, I can bring them something that I don't really know what it is, and then we can discover it together. That's sort of uh-huh. my, my like preferred state. So I always like to be playing and having something on the brain, even if it's not worked. Out. I mean, Honestly, if it's worked out, it never works out that way anyway. So I would rather go in with something that doesn't really make sense to me even. And then we can figure it out together. So it feels like a daily practice helps you kind of go in with something to start from. Yeah, I love like just playing and not knowing how things work out or what it is. So that when I bring it to the people that I do play with, it's uh, we can sort of discover it together. Yeah. yeah. Do you, so, okay, so, but through your music career, has this been like an artistic discipline for you in general? Do you feel like it's important to just do something every day, whether you feel like it or not? Or have there been times where you took a break or waited till the mood hit? Yeah, I mean, it always changes, but like the first band I was in that really did anything is this band, 90 Day Men, and we always wrote everything together mm-hmm. in the same space. Um, uh, I played in a band called Ponies for a while, and that was largely someone else's project. So I would, wouldn't bring that much in, but I was super happy to always go to practice and contribute. Mm-hmm. And then uh, next was this band Disappears, where I was kind of bringing most of the stuff in, but it would always change. Are these dogs super loud? Can you hear all these dogs barking? We can hear them, but I can hear you. Okay, good. Uh, Fine. <laughs> and then, uh, Are they your dogs? Uh, one of them is. <laughs> um, but uh, I just try to really, I just try to leave everything open because I think, to me, like collaboration is the is like the most special thing. And I really prefer that. So, um, even if it's just like I like to play every day just to because I like to because it yeah. you know kind of makes me feel better. But I also like to. Uh, leave everything ready 
for I never want to be set on anything because I never want to tell anybody what to do and I don't want to uh, make something like a I don't want to dictate to anybody what I'm hearing you know yeah yeah do you uh, in your your experience being in different bands have you found that there's an ideal if you could pick how often a band gets together to practice that you might be part of how often, how frequently do you think is enough is productive what would be ideal um well i think once a week is for me is really important like mm-hmm. play once a week just like have your like this is the time i practice this is when we get together you know uh-huh. i really like that uh-huh. i've been in bands where we practice every day mm-hmm. and that like usually that's when I was in a position where um, we were writing records and the band was the only thing we were doing. And that was awesome. Like, one of my favorite records I've ever been a part of, we wrote in, like, a week or two. Uh-huh. And it, from almost zero ideas to, like, recording. And that was a really special thing. And I loved it because it was so undefined and open that we were able to do something we never would have been able to do if we had labored over it. Uh-huh. Um, Which album was that? That was a band I was in called 90 Day Men, and it was a record called To Everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we wrote it in two weeks, and it was a really important record for all of us, and it was like a breakthrough for that band, and it was really cool, and it was like a really... Everything was really special. It was a crazy time. Like, we wrote it, and then uh, the day before we went to record it, 9-11 happened, and we drove through um, the Midwest down to Texas and played a couple shows on the way to record it, and it was insanity. Like, we were listening to the radio all the time. We, you know, were in the middle of the country. Nobody knew what was happening, and then we went inside, even more inside of a bunker and like recorded this record where we were just watching TV and trying to make this record and nobody knew what was happening. It was insane. But we came out with this really special thing that I think all of those elements were woven into it and it was really cool. And uh, uh, that was a really good experience. And there have been other, you know, a few other times where like I've had the chance to just only work on music and Mm -hmm. it's been I mean really therapeutic and really like frustrating and you know lots of stuff but like I love when you're when the focus is just on that it's like you really get to like dig into some different things is that you know a result of just financially you're able to devote all the time to it in those periods mostly yeah like you know when that 90 Men record was made, we were all like 21 or 22, like, and we, you know, that was Chicago 2000, like, our expenses were almost zero, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it would be hard to do that now, but, um, but I just, I like the ritual, like, I like the schedule, like, that's important to me. I like, uh, deadline schedules, I like setting, I like not having anything figured out, but like having the practice of playing together, that to me uh-huh. is like uh, almost more important than having songs together because I feel like if you're on the same wavelength, it's, it's a, uh, that, I mean, that to me is more important than having all the ideas worked out, you know? You kind of have a um, committed possibility of ideas happening. Yeah, I think if you're, like, if everyone's on the same wavelength, I think it's a lot easier to, uh, if you're comfortable, I think you know how to, like, trust each other, and Mm -hmm. that to me is, like, uh, the biggest part of the recording process, or writing process, or whatever, is, like, just trusting each other, and getting in there, and I don't know, just trying, I mean, to me, recording is capturing a moment, like, it's cool to go in with things that you know are going to work, but I also like going in with things that you have no idea what they are because mm-hmm. that, that to me is what's exciting about recording. Like, let's just try to make something in, in this space because we're already on this wavelength, you know, and we're already in this yeah. space where we're, like, working together. 
the so you have two albums now that have been made in these um, really significant cultural moments with my eleven and uh, then this past year. Do you feel like there was any commonalities between influence and how they both turned out? I feel like they're a little bit extensions of each other, which I we weren't really planning on, but because uh, Void Moments, which came out in 2020, didn't we didn't get to really do anything with it. Uh-huh. I felt usually you would go on tour and play those songs and find the songs that like stand out to you or um, find the way that they integrate with your other songs or find out which songs make sense to you, where you want to like have a jumping off point from for your next stuff. We didn't really get to do that. So instead, I feel like we were sort of inhabiting the same space. And I feel like we some, we did something we haven't done before, which is make like a, a component to it, you know? A component to a record, like a sister record or something that uh-huh. we haven't really been in that space before. So it was interesting to explore that wasn't conscious like by the time it kind of happened and we were done we realized like oh maybe we extended those ideas a little bit into like the next zone as opposed to uh, create something new we had a well I'll go back and see this question what okay thank you for the question what authors or visual artists currently inspire slash inform facts music Mm. Um, authors like I'm always rereading James Baldwin I'm always rereading like Dave Hickey like his art essays Um, super interested I'm always rewatching like Cronenberg movies just because they're so bizarre like taking like the most banal things and making them like exotic uh i don't know i'm trying to think that i mean there's so many things it's hard to like to get all that stuff in one place (laughs) no that's great thank you thanks for for your question too um Mm. you and i are both from missouri ah where are you from i'm from the kansas city side uh i'm from st louis when did you, so when did you move to Chicago? How old were you? I was 18. I moved to Chicago in 1995. Um, how do you, you know, growing up in Missouri, how do you, compared to Chicago or maybe what you see for your kids, um, you know, growing up, in in the Chicago environment, do you feel like there are differences in what your experience was and how that might have impacted music or your bands versus what they might be? Because I, Sully Sully told me that your your son plays music too. Yeah, my son Asher is in a band called Lifeguard. Um, uh-huh. They're uh, three piece. Um, the drummer Isaac is fourteen. My son Asher. They're 15, and then Kai, the guitar player, singer. Well, Asher and Kai sing, but Kai is 16. And, uh, I mean, they're amazing. They have they have access to so many things I didn't have. Um, and I think they really benefit from that. But I do think... Any, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what do, okay. you, do you have an example of like what they have access to that you didn't? Um, it's hard to say. I think they just, there's just like a, there's a scene here that they, like, that they're connected to with just other kids. And I think just, uh, awareness Uh that I didn't have growing up. Like, it took me until I was about 15 or 16 to really sort of discover a few things. And I don't know if that's because... I have all these resources that my kids have access to, you know? Uh So, like, that is, like, maybe a leg up for them. But uh, there was just a community here that they had 
I feel like they just stumbled into, like, in terms of people who played music and just kids in their class who were, like, you know, just babies who, like, had, you know, like, drum sets and instruments, and they would all just go play together forever before they even turned into, like, anything, you know? They were, like, yeah. just, par- just parents who were, like, fostering that sort of thing. And that feels more to me like a, maybe a product of people growing up with access to those things, and maybe our parents weren't so into that. I'm not sure. Um, all my music knowledge came from like the cool guy at the record store that I discovered that really like turned me onto everything, and and he was my teacher, and like he taught me everything, and that's how I. And, you know, I had an all-ages club, which I would go to and then made a band and we would play there. And, you know, that was also, like, a uniquely, like, a thing that was very unique to St. Louis that, like, I never, like, basement shows and all that stuff. Like, that's how I grew up. And that doesn't exist here as much. And, you know, like, my son's band is really trying to, like, figure that out. Like, how can we do basement shows? Like. Uh You know, lots of people here rent, and, like, we don't have basements, and, like, how do we do all-ages shows? It's a lot different than mm-hmm. growing up in the suburbs of, like, a big city, you know? What was the record store that you go to? Um, I, there was a person at a record store called Vintage Vinyl in St. Louis, and uh-huh. his name is Jim Utz, and he taught me everything I know, and I look forward to seeing him again and telling him that, and... He really supported my first band, 90 Day Men, and he put us on a show with Fugazi when we were very young, and he he taught me everything, and I really owe him, like, the world. Like, he's a super inspirational person to me, and I can't thank him enough. Are you in contact with him still? Um, I haven't talked to him in a very long time, but uh, I think we follow each other on... <laughs> some social media. <laughs> uh, I always keep waiting to like go back to St. Louis and like reach out to him, and it's it's been so long since uh, we've been able to do that, and since our this band has. I mean, I don't think this band has ever played St. Louis, so it's been a while. So I keep waiting to like see him in person, and it's uh, it just hasn't. We, I haven't had that opportunity yet. So yeah, yeah. But I'm like, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Is there anything about, I mean, you're kind of talking about maybe parents of, is there anything specific to growing up suburbs of St. Louis to Chicago? I mean, I'm not sure if that's exactly what you're referring to when you're talking about parents, you know, kind of supporting or having these instruments around. And is there something about the culture of the cities that feels different? No, I think it's just like the way people are finding things, you know, like, Like, we had to kind of find our own stuff, so we made it ourselves. And mm-hmm. it's I feel like more right now, the resources are there for these kids. So it's um, it just is a different translation. Like, we had to kind of make our own scene, and that's sort of how we learned how to, like, play music and discovered music because we were sharing things so much. And mm-hmm. while, that, while that, like, sharing thing is still happening now with younger kids... There's, it's harder for them, I think, to grasp the idea of, like, I don't want to say building a scene because they are, like, there are, there's, like, a really cool crew of young bands, like, playing music right now that I think a lot of people are, are kind of getting hip to, but they have certain roadblocks where they, they don't, know how to get shows or have access and they also don't have access to things like basements you know <laughs> which are like yeah. how the whole like scene develops when you're younger like building these uh these shows and these scenes did you have musician role models i mean you're clearly a role model to your kids as a musician did you have that growing up um my biggest influences i think i had role models like there was a really good all ages scene in st louis and i was 
a part of that, and they were older people that really inspired me. And one of them was a, this band called Caffeine, and uh, the singer for Caffeine was this guy named Casey, who I ended up starting a band, the band 90 Day Men with. And uh, so there were people who were like kind of the older brothers and sisters of a lot of the kids that I was the same age as. Uh, it was like, you know, they were starting our own bands. And then as you get a little bit older, you realize that like two years isn't a big difference. And, you know, you kind of uh-huh. transcend the high school thing and start making music together, or you know, start becoming friends outside of the, that social construct. So that's, that was the, like a really big inspiration for me is like, these kids that I would see play who were just a few years older and who were like moving us and inspiring us to play music and then um, becoming friends with them and just realizing that you have the same interests and, you know, Uh moving to a different city together and starting to, you know, try something different. Did you see music as this is a a career I want to pursue or were you just maybe following where it took you? No, I I mean, it's kind of the only thing I've ever wanted to do since I was really young. Like, uh-huh. I, I mean, my earliest memories are like dancing with my parents to like, with the record player on, you know, and I don't know, you know, I have an uncle who was super musical. He was like toured with Chuck Berry and did lots of great stuff. And that wasn't really a part of my household, but it was always, like, in me somehow. Um, Uh I don't know. Music just... I mean, I used to carry tapes around with me when I was little, like, in case I went somewhere and there was a tape player, you know? Uh I I would always have, like, music on me, like, even as, like, a kid. So I was... uh, It's I don't know. I don't know why it's always sort of been there, but it has. Did you, you know, one of the things that, um, I have a two-year-old, one of the things that I always worried about with doing music um, was just how would it look being a parent um, and what that might require. Was that anything that, you know, how did you see that playing out or how, I guess I just want to ask you about what has it been like to maintain, you know, such a, a, a great music career while also raising two kids and doing all the family? Um, it's been hard. I mean, there there were a couple, like, sorry, here's Vera. She's saying oh, hi. goodnight. <laughs> hi, Vera. She's saying goodnight. Uh, goodnight. It's, I mean, there were, like, so many points where it, it really could have, like, just stopped but I mean my wife is super supportive and I mean we met at a show that I played and um, I don't know every time it could have fallen apart I feel like there there was like a really good um, opportunity that came up that made it make sense to keep going so I think it's it's just kind of luck like I definitely never would have stopped doing it, but it was always, there have been so many times where it it just could have just by necessity stopped, you know, like when my son was, Asher was born, um, Mm -hmm. I was playing in his band ponies and, you know, I was lucky enough to like be asked to play with them after 90 minutes had stopped and we, uh, we're just, you know, I kind of joined that band when they were on like a really great trajectory and uh-huh. we were able to, you know, it was sort of the early 2000s. We were, you know, getting paid well. People were paying attention. We got like a really nice record deal and that really like carried me through so that I could continue to be doing music at a time when having a kid would have made me stop doing that, you know. Made you stop financially? Uh, financially, yeah. Like, I never would have stopped, like, I think, doing it. But um, 
it made it financially possible for me to only do that at a time when it was, you know, traditionally I would have stopped doing that because it didn't make sense. Yeah. How, how has it felt to, I'm not really, you know, familiar with the details of like all, all of your touring and everything over the years, but how has it felt to be on the road and have kids and how has, how has that felt for you? How have you got, do you feel like that's worked? Has it been hard? What yeah, it's been, it's been, I mean, it's hard because when I leave, I mean, I'm like 44 at this point, but even when that started, it was like, you know, kind of over 30 and it's like, Two weeks at a, you know, it's like you could do two weeks on, you could do two weeks off or something like that. And that sounds like you had to arrive that that would be a good chunk of time. Was there some kind yeah, of working it, out towards that? Yeah, it was kind of just like, I mean, when my son was born, it was when ponies was, the ponies were like at the extreme height of their popularity. And we were gone for like, we were, you know, on tour for like a year straight, you know? Uh-huh. And that was really hard. And, you know, the balance was that we were making a lot of money and it was okay. And, you know, after that, it kind of became more of like a quality of life thing where it's like, you know, like we burnt ourselves out and that band, you know, didn't kind of stopped after that. Everything was going really well and we were doing really well and we, you know, fried ourselves. And so after that, when I started Disappears, it was more about trying to balance that. So we were like, let's just do two weeks at a time. We can, uh-huh. you know, we can, you know, we had the opportunity to where, you know, we had some good opportunities coming to us because of the history of all the people in the band. So we uh-huh. were able to a little bit dictate how things were going. So it was cool to like, we could be like, let's go two weeks. And they were home for two weeks and then out for two weeks. And, you know, yeah take a month off and you know we were able to sort of dictate the terms a little bit which was really helpful for us and that's why that band was able to I think maintain for so long because we were able to still have a life outside of the band and I think you know from being a young person who you know when 90 Day Men was going on it was 10 years of us only doing the van at all times and like, you yeah. know, sleep, we were just sleeping in the van. Like we weren't even getting hotel rooms. We weren't even making enough money to like barely eat. Like uh-huh. we were just living on tour, whether it made sense or not, because we were so determined. And by the time we got to the point where we could actually like have, you know, we had some opportunities to like go bigger and do some other things. We just couldn't because we were so fried, you know, like the band kind of dissolved because we just couldn't imagine like continuing the way that we had. And we didn't realize that we didn't have to do that. You know, that was sort of the DIY, like to Uh the extreme ethic, ethic that we had, you know. In a way that sounds like, some of that work laid the foundation for being more established where you did have a more control over your schedule. Yeah. Just sort of like realizing that, you know, it's sort of that thing. I'm going to try to turn the light on. Sorry. I know it looks like I'm in the dark or something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, That thing where you sort of let everybody else tell you what you're supposed to do, you know, like, I feel like that's a really big, music thing where you're like, you're trying to keep up with everyone or you're letting someone else tell you how your career is supposed to go or, I mean, I don't really, I just don't prescribe to that anymore. Like, and I learned that, I had learned that the hard way by like trying to do what everybody said and then you do it and you're like, oh, well, my band broke up because we're Mm. just fucking fried and nobody knows, nobody can be a human anymore because we're just trying to keep up with this like game that keeps changing and makes no sense because it's not built around being, it's not built around making music. It's built around making money. You know? Is your wife a musician? No. I mean, I, I don't know how, how much you want to talk about that, but did you have support like when you would be gone for two weeks at a time and, and there's kids, a kid or kids around? How did that look? Yeah. I mean, 
she's two thousand percent supportive because this is how we met in in this situation, you know. Yeah. But it doesn't make it easier when we're, you know, when I'm gone for two weeks and she has to be a single mom and take care of mm-hmm. everything and. I don't always know how much money I'm coming home with or, you know, like things like that, where it's like, it's still, there are still things we do that are like really a leap of faith. It's like, well, I know what this looks like on paper and it could go, it could be better, but we have to kind of see. And I mean, she's, she's really the reason why so much of this still happens is because she's willing to, well, she knows how important it is to me. You know, so. Yeah, so she supports it. Yeah, so she supports so, it. So, uh, as a father, how would you recommend if your kids wanted to do the same? Would you be like, go for it? Or would you try to steer them? Or what would you... And, and maybe maybe your older is, is in that place. So, well, how would you yeah. feel about it okay. having been through some of that yourself? I'm, I mean, I'm super, like, super supportive. Very encouraging. I try not to be like a, a stage dad about the whole uh-huh. thing. Like I, de- I definitely have like my opinion about what's going on, but uh, yeah, I mean, I have like lived such a cool life this way, and I've learned so much about life this way, and mm-hmm. how to like be who I am, and how to experience pain, and you know. Uh, just like like the life lessons I've learned in my life are through being in a band and um, I really think that that's I think it's the most unique experience I think you can have as a person like I don't know I mean I don't know any other I don't know any other way because I've been doing it so long but you know when my son Asher like started to get into that I was super encouraging that that was like I really want that to happen and they're in a position where they are in a really cool band and their band is getting attention that they probably shouldn't be for being as young as they are like they have really cool opportunities they have cool things like I really want them to pursue that and uh, yeah I mean it's amazing like I don't know. I would never tell anybody not to do that, but obviously there's, you know, it's just like anything. You have to balance, like, there's a balance that's necessary. It's really easy to go all the way over at the top. What do you mean? Well, it's also the same thing. Like, if if you just only do that, then you you lose perspective of the rest of your life, and I think that's... uh, I've been in that situation too, where you're just, the only thing you care about is this one thing and you don't really consider your mental health or your Mm -hmm. physical health or, you know, just the, you know, if you're always trying to keep up with someone else or like the standard that doesn't really exist except inside of your mind, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I think you lose perspective of why any of these things are important to you. If you were talking to somebody who was maybe starting out and they were, you know, I want to, I want to, I'm very driven. I want to really do music, but I also know someday that I want to have a family and and kids and I'm, I'm worried about how to make all that happen. What would you, what would you, what would you recommend they keep in mind along the way? I think the thing to keep in mind is that, uh, Nobody else makes the rules for you, you know, like you decide how you want this to happen. And there's so many, I mean, I don't know, even still, I feel like there's so many situations where people are like, you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this if you want this to happen. And I just don't think that's true. Are you talking about like labels or managers saying here's what Yeah, I'm talking about like, people who want to be like, if you want to be successful or whatever, uh-huh. you know, like I don't think being success, I think you have to define what success is to you, you know, like uh-huh. I kind of 
stopped paying attention to what people think is successful a long time ago because I realized that that wasn't, that didn't apply to me. You know, like when I was younger, I was like, oh, success to me would be like going to Europe to play music, you know? Uh And I did that. And then when somebody told me that like, oh, well, if you did this and this, you would be more successful. And it's like, no, like I'm achieving the goals that I'm setting for myself. And that's what success is to me, you know? And it's, it's not about the stand, you know, like the standard of whatever other people are dictating to you or, or Spotify number, you know, like that's the whole other thing. Like the number on your Spotify or your Facebook or your whatever social media, like how many people are following you? Like that's just a game. Like if you want more followers, you could just buy it. You know, like if you can, (laughs) like, like you can pay for that stuff. So who cares? Like that's not, that's really, that's really not like a metric for me. For me, it's about like, what's, what is, how do you define success? Like, if you set a goal and you achieve it, that's success. If I want to make a record every year and I do that, that's successful to me. If I want to go to Europe and I do that, that's successful to me. If I want to, you know, whatever. If I want to play a show and have 100 people come, then that's cool for me. It, whatever, you know, like, whatever you decide is success. Like, you define your own success. Nobody else does. First of all, do you do you feel like you've been successful so far? And what would you, how would you define success for yourself, like like right now, or just looking ahead a little bit? Do I think I've been successful? Yes, I think I, I've achieved every goal I've set has happened. Um, I've been on big labels. I've been in small leg bulls. I've been to almost every country in the world. Um, I've lived on playing music for long stretches of time. I've been financially successful. I've been super broke and still played music. Uh-huh. Like, um, and I play music for, I don't know, 30 years now. You know, I've been playing music as a almost full-time thing, sometimes full-time thing forever. Like, uh-huh since I was 18. So to me, that's success. Um, Moving forward, I don't know. I would, I just want to keep playing music. Like I'm 44, like I'm shocked. I'm still in a band that anybody cares about. (laughs) That other people I play with want to still get together once a week and like make music. And that to me is like the coolest thing. Like my favorite part of being in a band is like writing music and recording it. Mm-hmm. Playing shows is super fun and I love traveling, obviously, but, and I love, you know, taking advantage of an awesome opportunity, like going on a tour or playing a festival or just playing an awesome show in town with other people. But for me, like just continuing to like be active and musical is the biggest that's the most important thing, you know? And I really see that with, like, my son Asher, like, starting to play music. Like, just the way that they talk, you know, talk about music with their friends and, like, mm-hmm. or rediscovering things or inventing things. That's, like, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's just, like, that's the part of my brain that I want, like, to keep going until whenever it doesn't. <laughs> so perhaps perhaps the answer was sort of implied in what you just said, but what do you have, what would be a fear you have for your music or your band? Mm, I mean, I've never been in a band that I didn't care about, that uh, I've, never, I've never wanted any band I've been in to stop, but every band I've been in has just stopped, yeah. you know? And there was, none of them were ever emotional or, I mean, I wouldn't say emotional, but none of them were dramatic. Like, it wasn't just like this big, big this big buildup and this big fight. Like, yeah. it was always just like life made things stop, you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm always thinking about when the ne- the current thing will stop. Uh You know, that's always like on my brain, like, 
how will this continue or go? And then how, you know, I guess my fear is like, like I've been playing with Noah, who is the drummer of Facts, mm-hmm. uh, for a long time because he joined Disappears kind of towards the last like five years of that band. Um, so I wonder, I guess my fear is when this, this, project may reach its like natural end you know everything feels like it kind of comes to a natural end even if it doesn't feel like it's the time for it to mm-hmm. so i guess I, I always think about when the current thing is ending and then i think about um how i can start something new from that like mm-hmm. at this age it's like really hard to find people who have the time to commit to playing music and the desire to make it like a priority in their life. So I guess I'm always sort of thinking about like, uh, is, will this end <laughs> and yeah. ha- what will happen after that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, me, um, you know, we'll, we'll wrap up in just a few minutes, but I definitely want to make sure to talk about your newest album that just came out last month. Hmm. And, uh, you know, what would you like to share with with the viewers and the listeners about this album? You know, the inspiration, or I guess I'll just leave that pretty open. Um, we made it during the pandemic. I don't want anyone to think it's about the pandemic, uh-huh. but uh, it was definitely informed by the. I mean, even if there wasn't. Uh, a pandemic going on. Half of our practices are just sitting around talking to each other, sort of processing the world. And the other half is, you know, like trying to make something, some new music or something. So that was exactly what we were doing. But uh, under that microscope of the pandemic, I feel like we were especially in tune with like trying to process the world. Uh-huh outside of just trying to have a conversation about the general political mm. whatever. I don't know. I mean, um, I don't know. Maybe we were all more in tune because there was such an intense thing happening. Uh-huh. So we were much more like the anxiety was kind of turned up. Like we always really try to focus on like, tension in our music and how we can translate that like make the music physical like Uh we don't really resolve a lot of things we try to leave it like more pulsing and like uh um uh i don't know tense like our music is tense that's like kind of an i don't know if it's important to us but it's it's just like a function of how we write Uh and uh I feel like that maybe got turned up a little bit and that's why mm-hmm. maybe people are responding to this record the way they are. Um, I don't know. It was, even that, that said, it was really f- fun record to make. Like, yeah. we just like being together and playing. So uh, I don't know. I think, I think if you're with people you want to make music with and you're making music that you want to, I, I think that's, you're successful. Like, you know, you define your success. I think that's the most important thing. Hi, definitely getting some high praise for the album in the comments. So we have oh, a couple cool. more. If you don't mind, I want to, there's a couple questions asked. Um, okay. Maybe we can do those and then we'll wrap up. And thank you guys for sticking yeah. with us. Um, <laughs> uh, when is the next tour planned? Uh, we may have a tour in the fall. We're waiting to hear about it. Um, it would be with uh, supporting some friends and we're we're waiting to hear what's up. Uh, if not, I mean, either way, either we do that tour or we don't, uh, I think we're really just going to try to get another record done by the end of the year so that next year when things are much more in tune and straightened out, we'll uh-huh. just be able to get back to like our normal idea of what touring is. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's hopefully something in the fall, but we're waiting to see. So, um, let's see. 
this could probably like be a long answer, but I think you sort of address it, but just to keep it a little short and sweet. In fact, do you present your ideas on guitar to your bandmates or does everything come together collectively or both? It's kind of both. Um, if, if I present anything, I try to keep it really abstract because Noah and Aliana are such great players. Mm -hmm. I love for them to interpret an idea instead of me telling them what mm -hmm. to do. So uh, that's kind of been a function of how I've been playing lately for the last five years or whatever. Just like I love just making these abstract kind of um, more mood pieces and then let them interpret how to like drive it and then I'll pick up from where they go and sort of redefine my part. So, uh huh. And then it kind of yeah. develops from there. Let's see. Yeah. So, wearefacts.bandcast.com. Yes. Well, thank you guys for, thank, first of all, thank you guys for, you know, being part of this conversation and asking questions and listening. It was, it was nice to have a virtual crowd. And thank you very much, Brian, for your time and for, you know, sharing all your thoughts. And it was really, really nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really like the. I watch a bunch of these, so thank you. Oh, so cool. Much. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> well, if any of our listeners want to catch more of them, you can go to musictherapypodcast.com. And now let's listen to a song from Facts. This is Strawberry Cough from their latest album, Present Tense.
Okay, that was Strawberry Cough by Fax out on their most recent album, Present Tense. I want to thank Brian Case of Fax for talking with me today. And I also want to thank all our listeners for tuning into the show. If you want to know more about the show or learn about upcoming guests and events, please visit musictherapypodcast.com. Be sure to leave us a review. Take care and see you next week.